You are listening to Changes Big and Small. This is Demian, your host as we explore what makes change exhilarating. Each episode, we'll meet one person who's found freedom by embracing change. Today, I'm chatting with Rosanna Menezes. Rosanna is a happiness engineer at Automatic. Listen to learn about Rosanna's distributed family, her approach to travel, and how she systematically made two dramatic changes in her life. There is so much that we can learn from her to make changes in our own lives. Whether you're looking to travel, change jobs, or something else, Rosanna has some invaluable tips that you can use even if you're not a fan of spreadsheets, which she is. Let's get started. Please tell us your name, where you were born, where you live. I know that might get interesting. (laughs) And what do you do that pays the bills? Okay, so my name is Rosanna, uh, Rosanna Menezes. I was born in Recife, Brazil lived there for about 29 years and then I immigrated to Canada. It was a whole process there. I've been living in Canada for the past 10 years. It's going to be 10 years in January 16. Now I'm working for Automatic as an IT support person, which was also a change because I graduated originally in journalism back in Brazil. And then when I was like 35, I decided that like I never actually worked as a journalist but um, I decided to go back to school and switch to IT like took a programming course and then everything changed for the last two years I've been working for automatic as a happiness engineer yeah so Rosanna and I actually know each other because we work for the same company yeah so where are you right now uh, right now I'm in Norway, uh, in a city called Trondheim, where my sister lives. But yeah, my parents still live in Brazil with my younger sister. I live in Canada, and my sister lives here. So I come visit at least once a year. It's easier now because working for a remote company, it's easier for me because I can come here and work from here. I don't need to actually spend vacation time to come here. This is my second time coming here in 2019. From here, I am going to travel a little bit through Europe, which is going to be the first time I'm going to do that, backpacking and working at the same time. And I know it's going to be a little bit challenging because I'm going to do like a lot of cities and I'm going to be moving around a lot for the next two months until December 7th. And I leave Norway on October 19th, and then I go back to Canada on December 7th. What do you think will make it challenging? I like to travel. I travel a lot. And usually I have more time to explore because I'm, uh, I'm really a really big fan of walking everywhere because I feel that I, I know the place better if I'm walking as opposed to driving the subway or bus or something like that. So this will like cut my day in half. I will only have like half a day to spend like going to places and, and everything. 
also, usually when I go on vacation, I go back home more tired than when I left because of all the walking and all the exploring and everything. And it's amazing, but it's exhausting. And I think this is going to be a bit of an issue too, like to balance working early in the morning and then spending the whole rest of the day out going to places and everything and then come back and be in one piece the, the next day to work again. What inspired you to take this trip and why now? I've done that before. I've done that before when I worked for the bank back in Canada. I used to work for BMO and I did that like on my vacation. Basically, I love traveling. And I came to Norway in February for my niece one year birthday. But it was like winter and I came here and I spent like a whole month here just helping my sister with the party and working and everything. And when my parents told me they were coming, I was like, okay, so I'll go too so we can all like be together. But I don't want to like go to Norway again and just go there and come back home. Since I'm in Europe, I'm going to go from there and go someplace else. And it always started with, I was looking for direct flights from Trondheim and I saw Barcelona was in the, one of the options. So, okay, let's go to Barcelona. Have been to Spain before, but to the south, like Andalusia uh, region. So let's go to Barcelona. And then I made a mistake of opening Google Maps. And I was like, oh my God, so <laughs> close to the French border. And now it's going to be like two months. I'm going to do the whole like south of France and Italy and everything. Do you enjoy planning for a trip? I do. I think I do. I think my sister enjoys more than I do. And I ask for her help a lot of time, but because he, she actually loves it. Okay. I like traveling more than planning, but I'm a bit of a control freak. So I would never go on a trip without having everything planned. I don't mind if something changes, I adapt, but I like having at least a plan A and a plan B. So I have all the Airbnbs booked, all the tickets booked. I have a list, like a huge spreadsheet where I put everywhere I need to go, every place in each city I want to visit. And if I make it fine, if I don't make it fine as well, but at least I have like something to work from. So you like to know yes. what your options yes. are and to give yourself enough room to have a variety of experiences and maybe not miss on something. Exactly. And on top of that, for me, it takes a lot of planning as well because I have gluten allergy, so I can't eat anything with wheat. So I need to make a lot of research about restaurants I can go, options I have, to, especially now I'm going to Italy and I was like, it's going to be terrible because pasta everywhere and I won't be able to eat. And then I figure out that like in my doing my research that they have like a lot of gluten-free pasta options there and it's easy to find. So yay. Does your preference for planning and for control limit some options or some opportunities? I don't think so. I think it's actually the opposite because I, I think sometimes if you don't plan, you might end up not using the time properly and when you plan you are you get more organized and you are still able to move things around for me i think it's the opposite i think it actually helps me to manage my time better 
and not go running from one side to the other. What should I do now? What should I do now? In Italy, I have two friends meeting me there from Toronto. They are going to fly to Rome. And I think it was like two months ago, we were planning this specific part of the trip. And I was just telling them like, do whatever you, you want to do because I'm going to spend more time there. So for me, it's fine. You only have like t 10 days there. Mm. So whatever you want to do, I'll join you. And whatever it's left that I still want to do, I can do later. So they were like planning and everything. And we wanted to go to Pompeii. And there was only a few spots available on those organized excursions, like leaving from Rome to Pompeii. Can you imagine if you leave that to, be, to decide that last minute? You won't be able to. You seem to be very comfortable with changing places because you've lived in Brazil, you've lived in Canada, you're doing this, what to a lot of people might look <laughs> like a big trip because you're traveling away from your yeah. home for about three months. You've changed jobs, you've changed whole careers from Children. being a journalist to working in IT support. Out of all of those changes, and I'm sure this is not an exhaustive list, what is the biggest change that you've made in your life? I think moving countries is the, the, on the top of the list because it took years of preparation. When I decided I... I wanted to move because to me it was more of a, a feeling that I never belonged in Brazil. So I, it never felt like home to me. So it was like, okay, this is not my place. I need to find my place in the world. I had been to Canada before on vacation. And after I graduated, I started researching for ways to immigrate legally. Then I found it about the immigration process. And it took me like two years to, I already knew how to speak English, but I had to learn French because there was a whole point system that I had to, to achieve like a certain amount of points. So I had to study French. I had to work so I could have work experience to prove and the, my diploma, my bachelor degree and everything. So it took me like years to organize everything. and then leave a whole life behind, family, friends, everything, like all the cultural baggage that you have. And then you move to another country and you're starting from scratch. And it's like you get to the supermarket, you don't even know the toothpaste brand you, you like. Everything is new. Even the language, you speak English, but when you get to a country that where English is the first language, it's different. These expressions, the accent, everything's different. And the weather, I came from a tropical country to a <laughs> giant igloo. And <laughs> everything was like crazy different. And I think this is definitely on the top of my list. But I would do everything again. But it, was, it wasn't easy. When I first moved to Canada from the Caribbean, from St. Lucia, one of my most distinct memories of winter is it was a beautiful sunny day. And I think we'd had a, a very dreary winter. And I was so excited for the sun to be out that I said, oh, I'm <laughs> going to go outside. And I ran outside. <laughs> And it was the coldest day imaginable. You know how you can have those crisp 
cold days, blue skies, beautiful sun, yeah. but freezing <laughs> cold. That was exactly what it was. And I remember being shocked by that and having to make the connection that, oh, sun no longer means warm outside. Exactly. And it might seem a bit obvious. No, it isn't. It's actually like the coldest days are the ones with blue sky. And yeah, it's, it's shocking. You said you had a lot of preparations to do. How long did that take? From the decision to applying to the process, actually sending the documents, it was two years and another year of waiting. I had an interview with the Canadian government in English and French. And then this is how the process was 10 years ago. Uh, now it's completely changed. So after you get your approval, you had to go through some medical exams and then you sent your passport, they sent back with a visa. And this whole process took 11 months. So it was almost like three years between the decision and actually moving to Canada. Wow. Having two years of preparation, to a lot of people, that might sound impossible. How do you go from, I really want to move to Canada, and there's all those things that I have to do, to actually getting them all done in a systematic way? How did you approach that? It's similar to what I did when I decided to switch careers to. I think the first phase is like research. Read everything you can. Find every information you can about whatever you're trying to do. Good thing is Google was already here, so it helped me a lot. Some people get stuck in the research stage, though, but that didn't happen to you. So how did you know to no. stop and move on to the next stage? First of all, I created a group. In Brazil, there's a lot of people, at least there was a lot of people, that were interested in moving to Canada. So I created a group in my hometown only. We met once a month and we all shared information about the process, which phase of the process everyone was and what we should do. We also had like um, Google Groups email. It's not a thing anymore, but it was before the whole like social media boom. So we had like a Google Group email, which was like we had people from the whole country uh, exchanging information, asking questions, sharing information about the project. I had a blog that I used to share everything I found out about it. And other bloggers also comment on my blog, and we also exchange information about it. Official channels like the Canadian site government, they're very important. It's really important for you to focus on real information as opposed to whatever AOB said. And so after I gathered all the information it was next phase it's good to have people that want the same thing you want close because if you get frustrated if you are like thinking about giving up we support each other so that was a really big part and very important part of the whole process after that it was just like again spreadsheet i love spreadsheets setting everything i had to do like i need to learn french so let's research French schools in Recife, where I was born, the best courses, where do I need to go, what do I need to do, what do I need to learn. I had three different teachers, tutors, and on top of a 
course that was taken that was like every day, two hours a day. And I was working at the same time. Also, to me, there was a huge part, which was saving money for the, the whole process because the process was expensive. Plus, you had to have some money to bring with you to prove that you were able to survive until you actually find a job. It was very similar to what I did when I switched careers because when I decided that I didn't want to work for the bank anymore, I really wanted to work with IT. When my course was close to an end, I decided that I wanted to work remotely as well, especially because of my nieces. I wanted to be able to spend more time with them. So what I did was I started Googling the best companies to work remotely from. And I came across this article listing the 10 best companies to work with. And what I did was I went into every side of every company and I looked at every IT position, what they were asking for, what would I need to improve, what would I need to learn, made a list and start working on it. Automatically, it was like the number one in the list. To my luck, they had the support position open. It was like a fit to me. I didn't even have to wait a lot because I already had the skills. If you had to summarize the process that you take, whether it was for changing jobs or for changing countries, you talked about starting with research. Could you name the rest of the steps? After research, I think it's the actual planning, creating like a schedule and visualizing what do you need to do, how you're going to do it, and setting deadlines. Because I feel that you don't set a deadline. It's like a goal that gets lost in the future. Sounds like you were very structured in your approach and that you were very careful to break things down into pieces that you knew you could do. Yeah. And if there was something that I didn't know how to do, I would add like an extra step that I need to learn this or go after someone that knows how to do it and see where I can do it. If I can learn from this person or if it's something that I can pay for a service for someone to do that for me. When you want to learn a new skill, how do you go about it? I would say the internet. Sometimes I just buy books and I try to learn by myself. If it's something that is more complicated, I would just purchase an online course. I take a lot of e-courses from everything, from drawing to singing to PHP. And it sounds like you also had this network, right? And so you were sharing information and yeah. you were also learning something from other people's experiences. Yes. Did you know anybody who'd already been through the whole process? At the time I started, no. We were all like in different stages, but no one was actually already in Canada. There were uh, some blogs that I used to follow from uh, people that were already there, but I didn't actually know anybody. It was just like from following blogs. Did you find that encouraging, seeing all the people who had made the journey? Was that part of what motivated you? Definitely, yes. It had like two different effects. It makes you a little bit anxious because you want to be on that stage already. And you were like thinking, I was like using Google Maps to visualize like streets in Toronto where I would live and supermarkets and oh, you know, like 
looking for houses and I wasn't even there. But uh, on the other hand, it was like very encouraging to see that other people did that. So if someone else did, I can do too. What was scary to you about this whole process or about change in general? What do you find scary about change? I think everything. Because we fear the unknown, right? Usually. And I moved to another country completely by myself. I didn't know anyone. I had to like make new friends, adapt to another country. I didn't even have like a credit card because you don't have a credit history in the in the new country. But I think my biggest fear was failing because even though I plan a lot and I like to have backup plans, specifically for this one, I didn't have a backup plan because I didn't see myself not moving to Canada and staying in Brazil. So to me, it was like, this has to work. I'm going to make it work. I don't care how, but it's going to work because I didn't have a backup plan for that. And I think that was the most scary part was like the possibility that all the work, all the everything, all my time, all the time that I invested was just not going to work. And what would I do? As you were talking, you seem to be very driven, but you also explain that you do get afraid or you, you do face fear in times of change. How do you persist even when you're afraid? And that's a tough question. I just try to understand that fear is normal. It's like, I think not fearing something, it's actually the not normal thing, right? Like we are, we're built to to be scared of things we don't know, like it's a survival skill. I try to think that it's normal, it's going to happen, I can't avoid that. And what I try to do is not to let this impact in my, my decisions. I'm going to be scared of that, that's fine, but it won't stop me. If I really want something, I don't care how scared I'm going to be, I'm going to try to get to the end of it. Because otherwise, you'll never change, you'll never move, you'll never move forward. One of my little sisters was preparing to move to Florence from Ottawa. Okay. And I was asking her, are you scared? And she was like, yeah, I'm getting a bit nervous. And I said, and I didn't come up with this. I heard this on a podcast, but I don't remember which one. I heard somebody say, what happens in your brain when you're going through fear is very similar to what goes on in your brain when you're excited. And so the emotion, fear, and uh, anticipation or excitement are flip sides of the same coin maybe. And a hack could be to tell yourself, okay, I'm really excited and try to change your mindset mm -hmm. that it's not just fear that you're feeling, but also, also acknowledge the excitement I've been trying to use this practice and say, okay, I might be afraid now, but what's the exciting thing also? Because there usually is an excitement if you focus on that instead of on the fear. Exactly. Now, that's a very good exercise. And it makes sense to me because in my case, it was very exciting. And some people don't like change, but I do. I like new things. I like exploring. 
I think if, if you focus on the excitement and even though if, if it is not something that you are pursuing personally, like sometimes changes happen to your life and you don't actually want them. But if it is something that is inevitable and you focus, you try to focus on the positive side and you try to focus on the excitement of the new thing, it's a really good way to overcome the fear or at least lock it to a, a box, at least for a while. We're coming up on time, but before we end, I would like to ask, do you have any advice for somebody who wants to travel or wants to change jobs, but is feeling a bit stuck and not sure how to overcome the fear or the paralysis? Since we are in the internet era, look for people who have done what you want to do. So look for bloggers or, I don't know, Instagram accounts or forums. Look for people who had traveled to the place that you want to travel or had made a career change like the one you want to do. Don't fear to get in touch. A lot of people are very approachable, especially if they have a blog and they share their experiences. So ask questions, uh, ask for advice. Look for meetup.com. If they have like meetups with people that share the same interests, you have to go out and meet new people and exchange information. If you don't find like a group of people who do that, create one yourself, start a new group. We have like Facebook, we have Instagram, we have like a bunch of tools today that would help you getting people together that share the same interests, that have the same goals. Just acknowledge that getting stuck is part of the, the journey and breathe in, breathe out and just keep going. Thank you very much for this chat. One of the reasons that I love doing this is because I always learn something new, even about people that I know. And <laughs> that was definitely the case here as well. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. Learn about Rosanna by following her blog, alonsi.blog, A-L-L-O-N. S-Y. You can also connect with her on Twitter, Rosanna Menezes, or Instagram, rosanna.menezes. Please check out the show notes for the spelling of her name. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Changes Big and Small. For more great episodes like this one, don't forget to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. This will let you automatically download new episodes every week. Your tip from today's interview is find one person that can mentor or inspire you to reach your goals. You can start learning from them today.